Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Namaste, my favorite wisdom seekers. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, happy to welcome you back to another episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. Andrew and I are working hard to put together a fully inclusive 30-day program for you, all levels, from daily meditations to asana practices, and ways to integrate this transformative and evolutionary lifestyle into our everyday lives. Stay tuned and look out for Yoga Revealed's 30 Days of Yoga. We are so happy you have tuned in with us today. It is a true pleasure to bring you the wisdom of meditation, effortlessness, and mindfulness as it is transmitted through the experience of Boulder's meditation teacher, Yashoda Devi Ma. Stop and pause and see what's most evolutionary with your behaviors, with your speech, with the music you listen to, with the food that you eat, with the the things, the books that you're reading, with the podcasts that you're listening to. Is it evolutionary? Is Mm. this friendship evolutionary? Enjoy this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. Namaste, my friends, and welcome back to the Yoga Revealed podcast. This is Alec Vishal Rubin, and it is such a pleasure to be tuning in with you. I know that it has been some weeks since we've released some podcasts, and life has taken not only me, but perhaps you by the grasp, and I've been in the stream, and feeling what I'm feeling. And it is such a pleasure to be sitting across from someone who has deeply imprinted my life with the practice of meditation. So almost eh, a year ago, perhaps, I interviewed, interviewed Yashoda in Boulder, Colorado, where I am now, in her beautiful house, sitting in the same location. And it's uh, such an honor to sit across from someone who transmits such an authentic and fearless and compassionate investigation and exploration into understanding and cultivating consciousness 
on an individual level, on a personal level, as well as relating it to the world around as we strive to wake up. And uh, Yashoda, thank you so much for always being such a friend, confidant, teacher reflection, and hosting such a sweet motherly energy in everyone that I've always seen you connect with, and even for myself. Thank you. Thank you. It's um, it's an honor as well. It's um, such a pleasure to sit and speak with you and play and talk about my favorite things to talk about mm-hmm. um, and to share space together. And I absolutely love seeing how um, the podcast has grown and expanded mm-hmm. and the worthy inquiry that's developing through what you're bringing and how you're inspiring people. Thank you. Yeah, we're so blessed. It's been over a year and six months since Yoga Revealed has been on. We have over 80 episodes with powerful wisdom keepers like yourself and almost 290,000 downloads and listeners, which is amazing. I don't even know what that number means, but it's so beautiful to see your smile and to feel the hearts of our listeners. We know that. I believe that we all appreciate what we we learn from people like yourself so thank you what is your focus what's your story well before you answer that actually if you really want to know Yashoda's story if you go back on your iPhone or wherever you're listening you scroll back all the way down and you find Yashoda Debbie Ma you could hear where she came from so we're not going to go so much into her uh, uh, personal where she started from but we're more going to dive into, you know, the aspect of meditation. So let me reframe that question. What is the story that you've been telling yourself inside your meditation practice now? Hmm. It's an interesting <laughs> question to ask at this point in the practice. Um, I'm 14 years into my practice and now a teacher of many years and to go from student to teacher, and mind you, you're always student, mm, right? Thank you. Um, what's fun about leaping onto the other side of being teacher, oh, wow, is that it's a constant unfolding. The, full, the unfolding seems to be more rapid, um, with more subtlety uh, and simplicity. Mm. Um, to... I think at this point in my, in my practice, the practice isn't about me, mm. which is so good. <laughs> I've moved beyond that, and my practice really shows up in the place of how I can bring my, indiv- in my individuality into relevance. What is, what is most relevant for this absolute moment to be most evolutionary? And so this is the place that um, I'm in with my practice. How can I show up for my students um, in the way that they need me? Because it's not about me. How can I be the mother of, of infinite energy to always be able to give, to always be able to have compassion, um, and to always see what's relevant? Um, and from my perspective, being mother... Um, to create a community that's <clears throat> showcasing everyone. That's mm. not a one-woman show. Mm. It's a. It's. I'm here to let everyone shine, to everyone glow, and so that's kind of the story that I'm in with my practice of um, of of seeing what's most relevant for the moment. Mm. 
So there's so many, I mean, gosh, hundreds or thousands of techniques mm-hmm. of a meditation. So what is this technique that you've invested the last 14 years of daily, daily, twice, twice a day, a day. <laughs> twice <laughs> a day, every day. <laughs> like what is the, what is the key components? Um, the key components is one that it's effortless. Um, what I find that distinguishes itself from, from most other techniques, though all techniques are there to be, to bring you to effortlessness. Mm. That's the whole point. As we become more enlightened beings, we start to become people who move frictionlessly in life. Stress is still going to be there. Life is still happening. Karma is still there, but you're learning how to be frictionless. And so the technique itself is just designed to be as simple and natural and innocent as possible to then remove what you feel you're supposed to be doing. And essentially from a Vedic meditation or a Vedic meditator's perspective, or as a teacher, we like to say, I'm not meditating. The universe is meditating me. Mm. And so how the technique is taught is to allow for you to then allow for the universe to do what it needs to do for you in the meditation practice. And as we use the technique and how it's taught is we're not resisting anything. We resist nothing. We take it as it comes. We're neutral to the practice. Everything is good. We're practicing being all-inclusive. And so a lot of practices are exclusive. They're focusing. They are concentrating, right? And when we focus and when we over-concentrate, what do we do? We ignore. What is ignorance? Ignoring. We don't want more of that. We want to step into the space of being all-inclusive, right? The world is too exclusive, compartmentalizing everything. And we see it within our country and how our country's being led of separation. And so why would we want to go and close our eyes and go into that same space? We don't want to do that. We want to allow for ourselves to step into a space and learn how to be all-inclusive. Learn that thoughts are a part of meditation. Learn that they're our friends. They're Mm. good. Learn that we don't need to concentrate and we don't need to focus. It's an outcome. And at the same time with Vedic meditation and this effortless approach, we're using sound and vibration. The whole entire existence started with sound, Mm. right? And we're you know, three quarters water. When you use sound and vibration and these particular sounds that Vedic meditation is using, they're bija mantras. They're intended to have no meaning. We're not using ego. We're not coming in and saying, today I'm going to work on an abundance. For all you know, that's not what the universe wants you to work on today. The universe might want you to work on selflessness. The universe might want to have you work on compassion, and then that will be your outcome of the meditation as you go into effortlessness. You're removing the me, me, I, and what you think. And that's really, to me, so much of the need of the time, that we start moving from a place of seeing the bigger demand. We're not moving from the me, me, I. 
Um, we're moving beyond that. And this approach um, and technique, essentially, you're practicing that twice a day. How we use the mantra is very important, and the mantra that you then receive is very important. The vibrations and the sounds are part of the need of the time. Um, it's, it's all a part of the process of what's unfolding in nature. Um, mm. So it's, again, it's just essentially allowing us to become effortless, frictionless, um, and all-inclusive. Everybody wants to be at the party. Nobody wants to be excluded. So we practice that twice a day with the method. Mm. So the one big party and everything's very good. Nothing wow. is bad. Nothing is bad in meditation. Everything is good. And then that transfers to life. It just as is it is. It just it is just as it is. Exactly. And we get to see things as they are. Mm-hmm. And that you're saying this is the outcome <clears throat> of practicing a state of effortlessness in the seat. In the seed, with that total surrender. I'm not trying to do anything with meditation. I'm not trying to meditate. I'm not trying to do anything. And when we come out from that space, it allows for us to then, with the microcosm of the practices, then becomes the macro. That becomes our reality. If we're practicing all-inclusiveness, then all of a sudden we start to be people who stop separating. We start to be people who are universal. We start to move from that space of everything is good nothing Mm. is bad nothing bad is happening to me nothing bad is happening to america right now there is no bad leader it's just relevant for the time for people to wake up right and so we start to see from the spectrum and then we can take life as it comes we we want to move from that space and so when we're practicing that and we're we're starting to see we're pulling our lens back enough to sit back and really witness and see life in full spectrum we can start to find acceptance and tolerance we can start to find compassion these are all outcomes of effortless meditation but that's the mindfulness we come out mindfulness means to go in and establish being and come out with awareness to sustain awareness and so when you go in and you're meditating and especially effortlessly and you come out there's an awareness that you have you might have an awareness that day that you've been deeply narcissistic in your life Mm. and that might be something you want to change so then your mindful practice is to take that awareness and sustain it Stop being selfish. Stop being narcissistic. Start being compassionate. Compassionate, being universally compassionate, universally friendly, universally happy, being somebody who is unshakable and grace. These are things that the world needs, right? And these are outcomes. It's not something we have to practice. It's our nature. And so when we come out of the meditation, it just starts to happen. It starts to unfold. Same with focus. Same with concentration. These are outcomes of meditation. When you're doing it effortlessly, all of a sudden you can focus in life. All of a sudden you have better concentration. All of a sudden you have more clarity. All of a sudden you have more intuition. You're not going to 50 people to ask them what you should do. You have a knowingness and you start to move fearlessly. So let's see here got a few things rolling around in my mind that I'd like to mm-hmm. try to spit out here. So 
In relation to how you, you commented on our, our, our presidential leader, and then we could also comment on the presidential leader that is within right. our own being of Alec and Yashoda mm-hmm. and listener, insert your name. Um, when we begin to wake up, mm-hmm. right, and we get this clarity, the lights are on, and mm-hmm. that light switch just disappeared, it's, lights aren't going off anymore. Mm-hmm. You have, we it's have some clarity. Sustained. And then, you know, it's like, okay, so, good example, I'm going to stop being selfish, I'm going to stop being narcissistic, I'm going to consider others. What could you offer in this momentary example? We're not going to create political political debate here, right. but um, let's you know focus on our own yeah. selves. What is a a clear example on you know when we're in the face of this old? Oh, I am being selfish right now, mm-hmm. but I'm not noticing it. Am I awake? Okay, maybe I just notice it after the fact. Okay, waking. Sure. How can I change? How can I make a shift? How what what are some actions? What are some some cues, some keys, some uh, 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 platforms so we can actually step forward into the portal of transformation instead of just, you know. Seeing it and ignoring it? Yeah. <laughs> this is huge. Ignoring, right? Lots of people can wake up and then they ignore, right? Something comes to them and they ignore it. We want to stop ignoring. One part of that is... Um, you know, having a teacher, having a teacher that can guide you, that can you can see regularly, that you're hearing the wisdom, you're hearing, you're you're allowing to hear these things to help correct your mistaken intellect, right? And it starts to bring the wisdom and it starts to refresh from the area. Podcasts, mm. having friends that are like-minded. This is why community, right? In the Buddhist terms, we would call it sangha, mm. right? Sangha and community are so important because it allows for, we're not here to judge each other. We're all here to elevate. We're all here to shine our lights brightly and not have them be blown out easily, right? And so as community starts to grow and you start to nourish yourself and connect to those who feed your light, they feed your heart, they feed your goodness. This is, there's a tribe actually in Africa. It's so beautiful what they do. Somebody does something wrong per se, like, I don't know, whatever it is. And instead of punishing them, what they do is this, as a tribe, they bring them in and the whole tribe surrounds this person, right? And instead of persecuting them and telling them what they did wrong and constantly going into that place, which is then conditioned into us individually, the tribe stands around and they all start telling them everything that's amazing about them everything that's good and focusing on their highest self so then that they don't fall into that and they remember the highest vibration of themselves so from that perspective if we could bring that into our collective state of consciousness within the world that we're creating find more friends that see your light find more friends that are feeding your soul find podcasts that are nourishing your heart your wisdom find more books that are nourishing your wisdom and in line with the universal being as we start to and have compassion towards yourself as you're starting to awaken we're not here to be perfect we're perfectly imperfect right and as we gain awareness we're going to stumble and fall 
and that's not the end of the world. It's like children learning how to, how to walk. It's incredibly cute when they fall, right? As a, as a parent, as a mother, you take videos and then you show everybody, you go, oh my God, it's so cute. Look at them. They, they're almost walking and they fall right over. They look like little drunks and you think it's so <laughs> cute and funny. Now, as we're developing, we get into the spiritual world, right? Everything's spiritual, but we call it that, right? And we step into this and we're starting to awaken and develop consciousness. It's natural. We have a habitual way that we've conditioned ourselves. So first the awareness comes and then you trip on it a few times mm. and just compassion. You, you just started developing the awareness, right? And more and more the awareness will start to grow and soon you'll get tired of it. And then eventually you'll end it. It'll just dissolve. We don't have to crucify ourselves. We don't have to punish ourselves. We don't have to dwell on how bad we are. Really, ultimately, if, if we go to the source of what anger is, or we go to the source of frustration, or we go to the source of all of these things, it really comes from a place of love. Mm. So it's like, I'm mad because you didn't love me. I'm mad because you didn't see me. I'm mad that you, you didn't pay attention to me. And then that gets accumulated. So you're mad. Your anger isn't bad. It's coming from a place of love. And so, you know, be easy on yourself. Find as many things as possible that can support you in that higher vibration. If you have friends or relationships that aren't positive, you might want to look at that and let that go. It doesn't mean you have to be black and white. Just let it go for right now. Yeah. It's not relevant. It's not feeding you and your light. It's, it's, it's um, moving in the other direction. Mm. just compassion compassion to develop the awareness it takes time it's like a muscle it's like going in the gym not only like the first time time you go into the gym is your bicep going to be perfectly chiseled or your deltoid and everybody's trying to get nice deltoids (laughs) takes a little bit of while for it to start to show through and start to develop you have to keep coming back to it and keep coming back to it and that's what we do is we develop these awarenesses oh my god i'm selfish and then there's going to be points where you you find the awareness and then you fall asleep again. You go unconscious. And then somebody in life comes along and smacks you with words of how selfish you are. And you go, oh! instead of taking it personally, you say, thank you. Thank you for reminding me. I had forgotten. I fell asleep. I will try and work on that. Mm. Right? Rather than reacting and getting mad at them. Okay. Mm. And then search for the truth. Some people are projecting. Yeah. <laughs> Search for the truth, Satan yourself, and really take time. A lot of this is the contemplation as we come out of meditation. Is there truth in that? And find the relevance. And then do whatever is evolutionary. I think that's a big thing. Hmm. Stop and pause and see what's most evolutionary. With your behaviors, with your speech, with the music you listen Mm. to, with the food that you eat, with the the things, the books that you're reading, with the podcasts that you're listening to. Is it evolutionary? Is Mm. this friendship evolutionary? Is this relationship evolutionary? Is this alliance evolutionary? Is this teacher evolutionary? Is this practice evolutionary? And so when we start moving from there, that tells us a lot. All subject to change. Right. And that's huge. We're not here to be rigid. Mm. Nothing about any of this path is about being rigid. If you find yourself being rigid, stop, pause, and reevaluate. <laughs> I really <laughs> like what you said about the patient aspect. I really, in my own, 
I, I rarely ever reflect things back onto me, but I, I feel so proud of myself over the last uh, two months, really, to liberate myself from sugar. I've been addicted to sugar for, well, ever since grandpa put a lollipop <laughs> in my mouth at three or four years old. I've suffered from... I've let sugar ru- rule me. enjoyed in some moments. Yeah, of course, but... <laughs> it just owned you a little it, bit. It, 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 it controlled me. Sugar mm. had control over me. And for the last two months, I have liberated myself. And it took a solid year and a half of ignoring. Yeah. I knew what I was doing, and I chose to look the other way. And I was like a sad boy eating chocolate because it made me happy but it was my illusion but it did right yeah, you know? and it takes time because we've been conditioned in our world for multiple reasons mm. that don't really need to be talked about isn't that suffering as a part of our existence mm-hmm. it's absolutely not a part of our experience and as we start to awaken and we start to become more conscious we start to realize we're really attached to our suffering yeah. I mean people get arguments about their suffering and then they commiserate in their suffering she's like oh I don't want to change I just want to sit in my suffering right and that takes a long time to lift the veil to let go I don't want to suffer that's not your natural born heritage Mm -mm. we are here to be in bliss we're here to be in love and mind you bliss articulates itself not just through like the giggling guru Sure, that's cute and sweet. It's lovely to be around. Bliss accentuates itself through every aspect. If you are sad, bliss articulates itself through sadness. It allows for itself to feel that. You don't get stuck in it. But it's full. Bliss is full. Bliss rides the waves of life. It just doesn't get stuck in it. It articulates itself in many different ways. Mm. Um, as we're moving through and, and becoming aware of suffering is a big thing. We don't actually, I watch this a lot in the spiritual community and, and within students, you know, we also have a lot of drive in the Western world, drive and ambition. And, you know, there's a lot of us that are, you know, perfectionists, right? And then we, we bring this into our practice and we drive the practice almost to where it's put to death, Right. Because we're trying to be so perfect in it. We're trying to be um, we're not allowing for ourselves. We don't need to suffer within the spiritual aspect. Sure, you might purify. Sure, you might. It's not OK. You have an awareness that you're selfish. It's not the end of the world. Mm. It's OK. So what? You have a choice now not to be. It's really that easy. Okay, so I've been an angry person for a lot of my life and people think I'm angry. That doesn't define you. When you have the awareness, now you have a choice to recreate something. It's joyful. You have a choice to be blissful. You have a choice to be happy. You have a choice to be whatever you want. That's what's liberating. We don't have to suffer. The sooner we figure out that we don't have to suffer and the sooner we stop ignoring the more that will shift, the more joy, the more happiness, the more love, the more shared experiences, mm-hmm. right? And, and the more we start to realize nothing's bad. Maybe you'll come back to sugar and you won't suffer in it. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see. You just have to let go of the addictive aspect right. of it, right? And that takes patience and time. It I does. Believe. And for everyone's different. Yeah. You know? So someone might move through it quickly and somebody might not. It's how much are you resisting? Mm-hmm. 
resistance is, you know, it's like Star Wars. The resistance is coming. <laughs> it's coming, right? So we have to just be aware of the resistance. The resistance will show us. The more that we can let go of the resistance, the more we'll stop suffering. Mm. So. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, you have so many students that are coming through on a daily basis, on a weekly basis from tons of different cities. And I'm sure I could imagine that you could pinpoint a common theme between most of them. You know, I'm a firm believer that when uh, we create the space for these podcast interviews from well-practiced teachers and students like yourself, we're opening up a portal and a transmission of yoga to seep through the beautiful interwebs, Mm -hmm. you know? So what is something that you feel um, our listeners and the world of yogis right now could seek to integrate through accessing what we're talking about right now? Um, I'm leaving that very broad. I know. I was just saying, wow. Um... You know, I think everyone, each individual has a different temperament. And within that temperament, then we'll each in the beginning be attracted to a different aspect. Right? If we're talking about the yogic system. So you might be somebody who is an athlete your whole entire life and you're very body oriented. And so asanas, that's it for you. They do feel that attraction and you go to that. You might be somebody who's very intellectually driven and you like to be fed through knowledge and so you like satsang what we would call satsang that's somebody listening to wisdom talks listening in a podcast uh, reading a book all of those things um, maybe documentaries feeding yourself on the intellectual level and there's those of us that prefer the silence and we like to sit and go beyond thought And what I recommend, what I find within um, a common theme is that most people don't give something enough time. It's like you go to something, you try asana, you try meditation, stick with it. And don't start bringing in a thousand other things. Stay with one thing. Stay with one thing and allow for it to start to develop and open. Right, if I look back on my journey, asana came first to me. And I was an athlete, and I only thought body, I was in body. That's what connected to me. And it was through asana that got me to calm down so that I started having powerful experiences in shavasana. But I had to go often enough for that to happen three times a week, regularly showing up so that the development could start to occur. If you go for one month, I did this when I was in my early, my late teens and early 20s. I'd go to yoga. I'd go to Brian Kest. He was my first teacher I ever took. And his classes are amazing. He's in Santa Monica. He's still, you know, doing his thing. And he's epic. And a hundred of us would like pack in and just sweating and crazy. And all of us girls would go, oh, Brian. <laughs> today, right? And these things, but we would keep showing up and I'd go for like a month and I'd start feeling really good. And the minute I started feeling good, I'd stop. And then I'd go and I'd crash, right? So most of the world of what we're seeing is this growth that you spike up to these highs and then you stop and then you crash and you're in the 
the deep, dark abyss mm. of depression and, mm. and apathy and uh, that hopelessness and whatever. And then we go and we try some, we do circular breath. Or we go and we do, I don't know, plant medicine. We go do some experience. We go, oh my God, that was so amazing. And you're on this high again. And then you crash. That's not the growth that we want. That causes suffering for us. And so what we want is just find something and start to move with that. Stay with that. Allow for it to start to give you the nectar. It's always giving you the nectar. It's a matter of you starting to taste the nectar give give everything enough time to taste the nectar right everybody so just tastes a little bit and then they throw it away they throw it to the side it's that consumerism thing right so when i came to vedic meditation right i had never done meditating prior to that i'd done self-help stuff and circular breath and uh, yoga and asana and whatnot and I just thought I'm too ADD to do any of this stuff mm. and so I came to Vedic meditation because it was really a science and there was a method to it and made sense because I was a science person and understood the body and I sat in the first week and had powerful experiences within the first week just higher state of consciousness experiences and deep healing and I was like wow this is the first week and what I did because I was very judgmental back then I thought this community is really weird and I don't really want to hang out with them. They're like a bunch of hippies and whatever. And I was like, I'll just do this on my own. <laughs> I was an athlete. I'm disciplined. And what I did was commit to myself. I said, you know what? I'm going to do this for a year. I'm going to do this for a year and I'm really going to explore it. And if in a year it doesn't feel right to me and charming, I'm not going to do it. Here's a good amount of time to to really experience. You've got to have direct experience of something. You can't read any of the stuff in the book. You're not going to become enlightened from reading a book. But it'll be a seed. The seed will plant from reading the book. But it's not going to unfold that way. You have to have direct experience. And so that is what I see. Stay with the practice. Let it unfold so you can taste the nectar. Stay with the nectar. Keep feeding yourself the nectar. And let that unfold. And then when you've established some sort of stability within one of the practices that suits your temperament, then you can start to bring in other layers. And this is what's really important. Don't get stuck. Right? There's lots of branches of yoga. There's lots of access. It's a holistic approach, which means whole. Mm. Right? It was designed to bring us into complete harmony and open and expand our consciousness. It's all there to be utilized for when you awaken to it. Ayurveda, and all the different branches of yoga, of, of asana, of tian, meditation, of seva, selfless giving, of bhakti, our heart and singing, and they're all there for us to come to when the time is right, right? But we, we need a practice that's going to be like the foundation, something that's foundationally moving you and bringing you to evolution. Right? If your practice isn't bringing evolution to you, it's just sustaining. That's not good enough. You need something that's moving you. Creation needs to always be at the forefront. Creation's always the driving, right? If we're in sustaining, destruction will come, right? And it doesn't matter what it is. It could be awesome. It could be you're sitting in it too much and you're developing injuries. 
right? So then nature is telling you to develop something more or to then approach differently, mm-hmm. right? So staying with something, stay with anything that feeds you nectar. Mm, I really resonate with that. I mean, uh, for, for me on that personal level of reflection, I think it's so, it's so, pers- it's so beautiful to be able to have uh, uh, an understanding of what you're saying in my own being. So I'd like to offer that personal reflection to other people for them to look into their own lens of their being and how practice has polished the lens of being. Because I think that's what this really does in a very wholesome state. For years, it was like vinyasa and then ashtanga vinyasa yoga for me. And I, I love the practice. It's beautiful. It really ignited fire within. And I did get injured. I got injured snowboarding, but I uh, definitely did. It did not help me to continue practicing six days a week and just pounding on my shoulder, um, getting a torn labrum. And then I had to pause. I had to have a new approach. But for me, that nectar, it always has been. I think our listeners will deeply resonate. It always has been one of many facets of yoga. Mm -hmm. That's why you're listening to this podcast, because you're getting some amount of inspiration, hopefully, from hearing this experience in the transmission of yoga. And for me, the repolish and the reapproach was meeting Eddie Modestini, actually in this room, which is so cool. I love it. <laughs> a, a year ago, and I interviewed Eddie, and I uh, he changed my life. I, I love him so much. He's such a beautiful human student and teacher, and you know, getting still in the in the postures, using chairs, straps, blanket, bolstered blocks, the whole prop thing in Iyengar yoga. It was a complete reapproach. So I really love what you said, like, just stick with it. And for a long time, I, wa- I was scared. I was like, oh, my God, what if this isn't my thing? But for the only the only thing in my entire life over the last eight, seven, eight years, this is all that I've trusted and known and believed in. It, it has to be it, but I don't, I don't know what it is anymore. And it took me some time to be, just sit in that unknowing phase and trust and to be okay with it and to sit every day. You know, so that's, uh, I really, really resonate with what you say. Yeah. I mean, and just on another level, that's just, I mean, we're all humans, right? So Mm. we just speak like the simple language, right? We can talk about practice and asana and dhyan and seva and bhakti and all these different things. But at the end of the day, you know, we're really just here to, as we show up to a practice, whatever that is that suits your temperament, and you keep growing upon that, what starts to happen, obviously, expansion, but you're starting to develop devotion. Hmm. You're, you're, when I sit every day, and I love thinking from the small perspective, every day I surrender my preference to not get up in the morning and go make my superfood coffee first thing. Right? My taste buds are going superfood coffee. Num, 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 num. Right? And let's like look at my phone and review all the stuff. No, no, no. I don't do that. I wake up. I do my Surya Namaskar. I sing, you know, Gayatri Mantra. And then I go and I sit. And I sit and I do my practice. And I'm showing and I'm developing my devotion to my biggest self, the Buddha that lives within me. And I'm showing up to that. I'm surrendering my preference of what my five senses would desire. And I'm doing something else. I'm showing up to my biggest self. And I'm developing that humbly, sitting silently, showing up essentially to what? The temple of my heart. 
so that the temple of the heart can start to open. The doors just start to open. It's for, it's, it's for that. So you start to develop this devotion. Not only that, all of us have big dreams. We, most of us, 99% of the world, we're householders. Who are householders? People who are of the world. We have relationships. We have careers. We have desires. We, we're here to be creative intelligence that's creating and giving. Right? That's what we're here. We're not, we're not the 1% that wants to be monastic, reclusive, celibate monks. That's a small percentage. And so we're here, and we're here, and we're developing devotion. We're showing up. We're creating staying power. Mm. Right? Because when we want to create and give, you have to have staying power with anything, with relationship, with your business, with you, your health, right? And what else are you developing? You're developing deserving power, right? You start showing up to something enough, the universe starts taking you seriously. Oh my, they really mean business. And what does that mean? Because the universe is just sitting there saying, I have all this abundance for you and I want to support you and give you every resource to then bring your message and your talent and your inspiration to the world. But are you showing up to it? And these practices develop these three things that are so important. Devotion, staying power, and deserving power, which then develops discipline. You have to be a disciplined mind. If you want to create your big dream, all of you guys are sitting in your homes, in your cars, and you're you're daydreaming about what you think you should be and what you are. But you have to show up to that. You Mm. have to create these different things. And in a practice, whatever one you choose to come to, you start developing that. And then it starts to move you to be fearlessly moving towards what it is that you desire. You start rising in it. And we all want that. Mm. So you've got to give it time. You've got to develop the muscles to be the big you. Mm. The big you with the capital T. The universal truth. <laughs> the universal being. Yeah. The universal mind. Right? Mm. Mm. And on that level of the universal mind, you know, without bringing the politics and all of that in, mm. as we show up to practice and as we're awakening and we're developing and sustaining our consciousness, our wakefulness, right? What we're contributing to is the collective state of consciousness. So you as an individual are developing your deserving power, your staying power, your devotion. You have multiple people doing that. What does that do? It feeds the collective state of consciousness. And the the collective state of consciousness as you're contributing to that starts to rise. We can only reflect what the collective state of consciousness is worthy of and deserving of. So if we want to talk about a government, we can only reflect back what we are as a collective for her. So all of us that are awakening, please show up, raise the collective state of consciousness and the deserving power of the collective so that we can have the leaders of the world that we all desire, that we all deserve, that Mother Earth is so wanting, Mm. right? We are doing that as we're doing our practices. It's big. It's not just on the me, me, I level, on the individuality. It's on the universal level. We're shifting the world as we know it through the practices that we do. Mm. Strong. 
Yeah. I love that. Mm. Mm. Thank you. I think that's a beautiful moment to like right. let it settle and take a <laughs> breath in. Right. Yeah. Because integrating that in our lives can take incredible courage. Absolutely. In the beginning. Hmm. In the beginning. And it just becomes what is. You don't know anything else. Hmm. It just becomes natural. Right. It takes courage in the beginning. A lot of courage. Because you're going to be different. Right. It's funny. We all really want to be different. We all really want to be unique. But when we start actually doing it, we all get scared. And we want to, then we fall back into being like everybody else. Yeah. Takes a lot. Takes a lot to be Lady Gaga. (laughs) Takes a lot to be Madonna. Takes a lot to be, you know, a leader. Mm. Right? So if you want to be a leader, show up to your practice. Develop leadership. Mm. Right? You're developing that by not separating yourself, but by being, developing that unshakability. It must be pretty profound to be Lady Gaga. Show up as she shows up. Have millions of people talk about her, a lot critiquing her and criticizing. She got to be strong. Seriously. And that's what these practices develop. As you guys want to be radical and different, and bring your amazing projects into the world, and be uh, pioneers of something, mm-hmm. so you got to develop that. You got to you got to make that happen. You've got to encourage. It starts with courage and being brave, and then you move beyond that. You start to go entire spectrums. Takes a lot to be Pharrell, somebody who's developing music that's highly creative and fun, and he's not like everybody else. He's not copying. It's like these are all people that we relate to. To be a master, to be a guru, to say things that the rest of the collective is not doing. To Martin Luther King, Mm. just like big. Yeah, he's got a strong and you're to be against what everyone else is doing and say that's wrong that's not right he moved us towards more universality moving beyond color skin moving beyond whatever everything that we have barriers man woman sexuality Mm -hmm. gay straight who cares about any of that who cares if you're American or Brazilian or African so I'm none of those so don't, don't define me by those things. I don't care where I was born. I don't care that I live in Colorado. I am universal and I am everywhere. Mm. That is it. Cultivating leaders within. Yes. Yes. Universal. We're all from everywhere. I love that. Well, I think a beautiful segue is that you have been such a leader for so many people and allowing them to create a disciplining and compassionate and effortless daily meditation practice and for that's somewhere i began i think almost almost three three years ago ago? yeah Yeah. wow you know i I have sat every day in my first year i committed myself to two times a day and i missed one day because i stayed up for 24 hours and realized i was like oh god I've been up for 24 <laughs> hours. I was at Symbiosis Gathering, and oh boy, 
I need to sit right now. And I did. You know, mm-hmm. since then, I've sat every day. And that's amazing. I mean, you guys put this into perspective. <laughs> if you're meditating twice a day, every day, that's 730 meditations in one year. Each year, 730 more meditations. Wow. 700, you know, you're building. You're starting to master your mind. You're starting to bring mental health. You're working on the mental plane and you're clearing those thoughts so that you're living um, you're living your higher frequency thoughts. You're living your dreams. Mm. You're living the bliss. Mm. You're living the love. That's what, that's what meditation is here to do. It's here to lift the veil. It's here to give the mind um, the truth. Hmm. So what are, your, what are your procedures when you are going to teach someone uh, this technique of meditation? Like how long does that introduction period take? Is this something that people can only fly into Boulder to mm-hmm. receive from you? Or, you know, some of our listeners are just so deeply inspired and they want to be able to integrate a daily and effortless mm-hmm. meditation practice and learn it from you. But, and they can get here. Awesome. We can connect them with you. Totally. No biggie, but I mean, do you know, I mean, I do travel and teach, so I'm in New York and I'm in LA and, um, I don't know, India and I'm here. Those seem to be the main places that I go to and, um, always welcome to come here. But the good thing is that it isn't all about Yashoda Devi Ma Mm. and I'm not the only person that teaches Vedic meditation. And the beautiful thing about all of us is that we're teaching the same thing. Yeah. And each of us have a beautiful personality. There's fantastic teachers in every city. And I highly recommend, I love so many of my colleagues, um, that you could go learn in in a variety of cities. If it's San Francisco, if it's Los Angeles, Chicago, Miami, LA, Vancouver, Toronto, London, Sydney, Melbourne, so on and so forth. Um, There are um, beginning ways to go online. I personally haven't done it, but I do have colleagues that have developed. It's not Vedic meditation, but it's a nice way to begin. You can learn a beginning style of meditation um, and then see you know, where you're charmed to go from there. Um, I highly recommend Deepak Chopra and his primordial sound meditation. He, he was taught by the same guru as my guru. Um, so everything's a nice starting point. Um, obviously, I'm Vedic meditation, and um, they're all different entry points to getting to that place. Um, it would be lovely to have you come to Boulder, Colorado and teach or learn from me. Um, you can always email. And if there is enough worthy inquiry in the city, I'll get on a plane and I'll come. Mm. So that's a, what, what would take place is it's, it's over five days. And so the first day is just an hour-long free intro talk. And so if you had a community that you felt you know, really was desiring meditation and you wanted to be somebody that could host it, that's a possibility. Mm. And you come in and we open it up so that people can come and listen to a free lecture and see if it resonates and it's charming. And then design, the well, it's already designed, a four-day course and bring it to your community. Um, and we do it, you know, whatever day, if it's Monday through Friday or Thursday through Sunday, and then people learn. And that's a way that can be approached as well. If you have the worthy inquiry, then I'll show up. 
Mm. It's like the Field of Dreams or whatever that yes. movie. Should build. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> so you tell me you want me to come and I'll come. And then that starts to develop in a community and a teacher can keep coming back. That's what we, if, if there's a demand and there's a need, then we'll come up. We'll show up. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow, well, for, again, those who are studio owners or feel like they have a space where they could host community. Absolutely. Anywhere. I love, like, art galleries and things that are out of the norm. It doesn't have to be a yoga studio. It can be. Awesome. But businesses, uh, anything that just brings in people clearing the clouds so they can live the dream. Mm. Live your dream. Wow. Well, we have offered so much today, so many gems and so much insight to allow ourselves to pause and relax around our edges and to reapproach ourselves from just another angle so we can see things as they are outside yeah. of our own viewpoint. See the big spectrum, the eagle point of view. Yeah. So that's so nice. Thank you. You know, I'm always, as we, as we end, if you can offer one little nugget, little gemstone that has been perhaps inspiring you through your days to carry on in this game of practice. Mm. One thing <laughs> to, um, to focus in on if there's 99 things that are all going wrong and one out of one of all of them, focus on the one thing that's mm. good. Focus on the one thing that's good and bring all your attention to that. So if it's a person, if it's a situation, if it's yourself, it's, you know, focus in on the good. Feed, keep feeding the nectar. Don't feed the poison. Feed the nectar. Let that grow. Mm. Grow grow on the simple things. Universal friendliness, universal compassion, universal happiness. Show the world you're happy and it's possible. Mm. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. As we create our own happiness, so we create our mindfulness. With so much love, Yashoda. Thank oh, you, thank you. So much love to you. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you for receiving Yashoda's expertise in meditation and how we can use it to increase our happiness, health, and understanding the benefits that a daily meditation practice produces. I feel so blessed to have learned Vedic meditation from Yashoda almost three years ago, and I've been sitting every day since. It has enriched my life in so many ways. If you feel the call to learn how to sit into effortlessness, Go to yashodadevima.com and get in touch with her. The technique found in this lineage is of true value. If you're in Boulder, Colorado, Yashoda is here waiting for you. Again, Yoga Revealers, stay tuned for Yoga Reveals 30 Days of Yoga, coming to you soon. Until next time, my friends, continue to get still so we can learn to listen and see things as they truly are. Your brother Alec is sending you so much love from Boulder, Colorado. Namaste and love life. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.